Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Jason Williams here from J. Will Productions, LLC. Before I jump into this podcast that I'm going to do for you, um, I want to thank each and every one of you again for tuning in, checking out our station, and those who have tuned in, um, favoriting us and giving us a round of applause. It really means a lot because this is something new we're kind of going out on the, on the edge for, especially myself, since I'm the one taking time to do it. Um, and I, I just want to know that this is going to be something that everybody can really use. So feel free to leave us messages, information, feedback, as much as I can get, the better. And I'll cover topics that you guys want to have covered, not something that I just want to talk about. So with that being said, let's jump into episode two here, which is going to be monitor placement. Monitor placement is going to be probably one of the top five most critically overlooked and not known things in studios that are project studios, home studios. So Monitor placement, and before I go further, monitors are just your speakers, okay? So monitor placement is, you know, really correctly angling your speakers to face you, making sure that they're the right distance, and so on. So the very first thing you're going to want to do is measure your room that you're in from the front wall to the back wall, the right wall to the left wall, all right? Now, if your wall is not completely even, you're not in an even box, measure the longest wall, all right? Now, if you have a short little wall that, I don't, for whatever reason, is in the room, then, you know, take the bigger wall, all right? But if, if your room's kind of chopped up, um, and you'll notice when you look at it, because if you think it is, it probably is, <laughs> all right? Take the, the wider measurements, okay? That's going to give you a, an idea from where your listening point is, okay? Um, that's going to give you an idea of the width of your room and the depth of your room. Now, once you have that measurement, you can actually um, get the cubic foot of your room. And then you can actually search that cubic foot by going on to Google and, you know, average studio size rooms. And you can find out where your studio room lies cubic feet wise. That's really important because sound does travel at a certain frequency at a certain speed. And uh, at different frequencies, it refracts differently, which means certain sound waves are going to hit you faster than others. So it's important to know that because that will help you once you know that learning what kind of things you need in your walls or on your walls, i.e., um, you know, Airlex pads or whatever it is you want to use. Okay. Now, um, if you guys message us at, uh, J will productions, I N F O at Gmail, I'll actually send you guys a chart, um, some charts to help you out for free. Um, you know, this isn't like a marketing employee or anything like that. It's just me trying to be uh, friendly and helping everybody. I'll send you a chart that'll help you find out what kind of, um, isolation pads you're going to need for sound absorption because different pads different angles do different things different patterns do different things and the thickness changes things around i'll also give you some tips and tricks on some things you can put in your room to not only make it safer but extremely more dense density controls base and that's the hardest thing to control in a room all right now that we've talked about refractions from the sound waves getting the distance and the size of your room, that distance that you measure from your center point or where you're going to be listening to your music, you need to have yourself in the middle of the room and or your setup in the middle of the room, if possible. All right. Now, the next thing you're going to want to do, 
all right, is speaker placement. Your speakers, your right side needs to be the same width from the wall, all right, same length from the wall as your left side, all right? So your left and right speaker need to be identical in distance from the wall, if at all possible. Now, not everybody's room is set up the same, so I know it's not always possible, but you want to try to get them as far from the wall as you can in in distance being equal, all right? Now, being equal is the key word there, all right? So I'm going to pause right here on that part. I'm going to start up another podcast and we're going to do episode two of two. All right. Hold on tight, guys. All right. So we're back Um, picking up where we left off. Right. We're talking about our monitors, trying to keep our monitors from our listening point here, the same distance from the right wall and the left wall. All right. Now, depending on the type of monitors you have, and I would encourage you to read your manual, your owner's manual, but they're called near field monitors if you're in the process of trying to purchase some. Now, if you're not in the process of trying to purchase some and you have what's called a near field monitor, you can be a little bit closer to the wall than what most people can be. All right. Um, when you have far field monitoring systems, those are designed to be away from the wall because it's expected that you're in a big room. All right. Near field are more for home studio setups or smaller environments. All right. Which is the modern day studio. Okay. So with that being said, you want to have your speakers. Okay. Hint, hint, wink, wink. This is really big. You do not want the port of the speaker if it's on the back, in the corner, or angled at a corner. If you do, there's a whole bunch of math you better be ready to do because you're going to have to really control that bass because it's going to build up, all right, which will throw off your listening perception at the sweet spot of your room or essentially where you're going to be sitting. Obviously, if you have too much bass, you're going to turn down the bass when it doesn't need to be turned down or you're going to overcrank the bass when then it's really really overcranked all right um so that also affects the other frequencies that you hear right because the one thing you got to always remember when you're working with your music is no two things can sit in the same place right the old laws of physics the adage is still the same in music you know if i pluck a string at 90 hertz and then i pluck another string at 90 hertz on another instrument if they're both at exactly 90 hertz at the same time they're going to cross cancel you won't even hear it Okay, and that's why controlling your bass is so important because your bass, one, is going to distort and eat up uh, space in your mix. And at the same time, as it's doing that, it's refracting, it's bouncing around and it's very hard to control, which means it's going to vibrate other things. (laughs) All right. And at that same time, it's going to interfere with the low end resonance of your other instruments, which is going to throw off your judgment of where you should be cutting those instruments on and off. All right. A lot of stuff I just threw at you there, but eh, just kind of put that in your little nugget and hold on to it because we're going to address it later on in other sections. All right. So back to our speakers. Try not to keep them in the corner, the bass point pointed at the corners, and try not to put the speakers in a corner. Try to keep the speakers at least one foot to three feet from the wall if you can. Okay. Why? Same principle. If they're facing the back of the wall, they're not in a corner. What's going to happen is as sound, the woofers move back and forth to create the bass note. All right. That's going to create an off axis uh, uh, ripple. 
which is at the edge of the speaker. If it's a sharp point, it's even harder, uh, a harder ripple. Ripple. If it's rounded on the edges of your speakers, then it's still going to ripple around, but it's not as harsh and it's not as fast. It has to kind of ripple around it to get to the back of the speaker. But once it's there, it's going to get trapped. And usually, most speakers have ports in the back, which means you're going to get amplified bass response. Okay, so keeping it a little bit from the wall slows down that ripple and that bass buildup effect. You throw in some uh, treatment, and the next thing you know, it won't really cancel it, but it'll dim it down quite a bit. All right. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about here, and that's going to be on this last portion, section three of three here. Okay, um, section three, we're going to talk about actually creating the uh, triangle. All right, I like to just say triangle there's other technical terms for it but like i said not knowing everybody's diction and what kind of verbiage to use um considering that not everybody has the opportunity to go to music schools and things like that not everybody's read the same books i'm just going to kind of keep it simple stupid so i apologize if i offend anybody that's not my intent but i want to make sure everybody understands what i'm saying so in the next episode i'm going to talk about actually measuring your speakers to get that sound so to recap it real quick, we talked about the acoustics in your room. We talked about the placement of where we want to place our speakers. Now let's talk about how to do the measurements and actually setting up the speaker. So with that being said, guys, let's pause time out and let's do our last four to five minute video or podcast. All right, guys. Uh, so we're back. We're on the last one, part three uh, of our monitor placement section. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Monitor placement section. All right. Now that we know not to have our speakers in the corners, up against the wall, even distance from the wall, left and right, we need to actually find out how to set them up so that the sound is reaching us at the same time, approximately. Okay. All right. So the very first thing that you're going to want to do here, and assuming that you have average system setup, uh, if you have more, then there's some other steps you might need to take. But this will be the same for everybody. And the other steps you'll need to take if you have more equipment will be really self-explanatory. Okay. All right. But if you got questions, feel free to message us. Once again, Productions info at gmail.com. And we'll respond. I will respond. Okay. So um, let's talk about this. When you have your monitors, whether it's going to sit on your desk or you have a pair of stands that it's going to be on, you're going to want to get some kind of foam to separate the monitor um, from whatever it's sitting on. The reason being is everything has a frequency resp response rate, right? If you flick a glass, it makes a certain sound in a certain pitch with a certain pressure, all that kind of stuff, right? When the frequencies are just right, it'll break the glass. Well, same scenario with your stands or your table or whatever it is that you have it sitting on. Even a, a mount that's hooked up to the wall, okay? It will vibrate once the right frequency is hit. Now, will it be extremely noticeable to you? Maybe yes and no. The reason being is because obviously if one thing vibrates, then the next thing vibrates that it touches. So on, so on, so on. So one small vibration or one little thing like this can really create a huge effect on your sound so please don't overlook that part 
So make sure the speakers are sitting on um, a foam mat. Now, Aerolex makes these little foam pads that you can put underneath it. And there's all kinds of different companies that do it now. Um, but you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Just get something for it to sit on um, that, that works. The best option that you can really do is create an air pocket. And um, if you go to Sweetwater.com. Um, I don't get anything for this, but that's where my business ha has gone for years since like 2007. Uh, our rep is Kevin Scott, and his extension is 1269. Just tell him Jason Williams sent you from J. Will Productions. He'll take care of you. But um, regardless, wherever you buy this from, um, on Sweetwater.com, if you type in isolation pads, they have these stands. Uh, and I can't remember the name, so apologize for that. But they have stands that you can sit the speaker on on top of the stand and what it does is it creates an air pocket so as the frequencies are re bouncing around and, and reacting it actually is the the vibrations are being absorbed by that stand and not the actual stand that the the that's supporting the whole entire equipment and what it does is um, uh, allows the cabinet to vibrate without any distortion which is when they tested the speaker the way it was meant to be tested and played okay so Get a ruler or tape measure, um, a metal one that can be locked is best if you're by yourself or a friend, okay? And what you're going to want to do is measure from your right cone of your speaker, wherever you're going to sit it, to your left cone of your speaker, all right? You want to make that distance the same distance from the right cone to your ear where you're sitting, and then from where you're sitting to your other ear, you need to have the same distance to the next cone all right that's your woofer your biggest speaker on there okay your mid-range driver or low-end driver okay um so that what that does is create the sweet spot okay and make sure that that is going to be where you're kind of sitting all right because that's going to be your focal point and your sweet spot the next episode that i'll do it's going to talk about how to EQ those speakers, including the subwoofer system, all right, um, in your room so that you can get the best sound from those. So, hey, that's all for me today, okay? I'm not going to overload you guys, but that's three portions, three cuts, talking about your room, how to get your size of your room, talking about refraction, refraction and reflections talking about the actual speaker placement and the measurements. I hope that helped you guys out. I encourage you to really try it. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. That right there is like the most overlooked thing and it will make a difference in anything you do. All right, guys, that's all for me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. All right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Jason Williams here again uh, from J. Will Productions, LLC. And today we're going to be covering uh, how to level our speakers with a subwoofer in the room. And if you don't have a subwoofer, this is still pertinent, how to just level your system and make sure that you're getting the right uh, right volume out of each speaker, reaching you at the exact same time. Uh, real briefly, why this is important. This is coherency um, in your reference listening position, which is where you sit in your chair. Okay, um, You're going to want that coherency as much as possible because failure to keep that coherency means that when you pan things left and right, they aren't really left and right or where you think you're panning them, even though you might 
think you hear it. Um, what you're usually hearing is not, especially if you're not in that coherency spot or that sweet spot of the room um, that you've designed from the previous episodes, uh, make sure you check out our monitoring section if you have not. Uh, the monitoring um uh, three-part tutorial that I talked about kind of explains a lot of things and real briefly covers how to set up your room so that you have that Sicily's triangle um, in that sweet spot. But nonetheless, um, you need to make sure that you do these steps. So today will be um, shorter than the last podcast, but um, longer than the average podcast, I guess, that I do. So let's talk about really the three things to correct uh, tweeter placement, monitor placement, and balancing of the speakers. So the very first thing that you're going to notice if you go to major studios, um, like I work out of time to time, is that uh, the major studios, for the most part, will have the tweeter on the outside of your listening position or furthest away from you. Why is that? Because the tweeter, um, when you angle it that way or you place the tweeter that way, um, you're going to notice a wider um, presence in your soundstage, which means when you pan things, you can make smaller pan movements, which gives your sound a more realistic sound and a more accurate reputation of live instrumentation. All right. That's really important. Um, so make sure that your tweeters are facing out side not inside that'll help out your sound a lot um, especially if you're doing the isosceles triangle your your measurement point from the speakers will always be the center of your subwoofer or the main driver the largest speaker on the on the speaker all right on the speaker box um so the next question we're going to address is really do you need a subwoofer <laughs> all right um i've talked with many of people and this is kind of one of those argumentative points you hear a lot of people say well you have to have a subwoofer because you got to hear the low low end and you're going to say to some people, um, you can see visually now with a lot of the graphic EQs and analyzers what the low end is doing. So why do I need to invest in an additional subwoofer? Um, in my personal opinion, you need a subwoofer. Um, it's just the best way to divide your sounds. Most people are going to work on a four to eight band EQ unless they spend some serious money to get more EQ parameters, even if it's a digital platform. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to need a dedicated sub to displace the sound of your subsonic frequencies. Now, um, will everybody be able to do that? No. And will your room um, be able to handle it? maybe maybe not right so that's where we go back to the previous tutorial all my tutorials are going to try to build okay but that's where we go back to the previous tutorial knowing the cubic space in your room um, and being able to know if your room is one adequate for mixing or mastering or if it needs to just be a recording room and or if it's not adequate you know what kind of frequencies you're going to have problems with and you'll know that based off the cubic footage of your room just because sound travels at the speed that it does for each frequency it doesn't change except for a little bit with humidity and things like that but for the most part it's going to reference the same so that's part one of this recording i'm going to pause jump right back in it on part two and we're going to pick up where we left off about well, do you need a speaker and then we're going to start talking about how to level that speaker and leveling your speakers um, which are your main monitoring speakers thanks guys hold tight and let's jump right into the next one 
All right, guys, here we go. Here we go. I appreciate you hanging in there. Let's talk about um, really, uh, you know, do we need the speaker? Um, once again, the sub, you're going to need a sub because you want to have that um, that subsonic range. But before you purchase a sub or you really endeavor into a sub um, and you start to EQ the sub, think about this. Are you monitoring your speakers at a loud enough volume? All right. You want to be monitoring your speakers anywhere. And this varies from person to person. I like to be very sensitive with my ears um, as best as I can because that's my moneymaker. But you want to have your room at short burst of periods, able to handle 85 decibels um, on your main speakers and 79 from your sub, okay? Now, that's from your listening position. I'm gonna cover that a little bit more, but make a note of that, 85 um, SPL, all right, DB from your monitoring speakers and 79 from your sub. Um, the reason your sub is lower is because it has less frequency bands in that subsonic range than you do in the main and uh, mid-high tweeter range from your main monitor. So even though it sounds like it's low, trust me, it's not. But if you want to double check it on your own, double check it. Nothing wrong with that. All right. The, the next thing that you're going to want to think about is do you have an acoustic problem in your room? And that all goes back to the very first topic we were talking about in the first episode. I might even expand on that down the road here. But knowing your cubic footing uh, in the room, knowing uh, the type of phone you're going to need and what areas is going to greatly help you. All right. Um, so. When I finish this episode, I'll make one other episode and I'm going to give you a list of some applications that I have on my iOS device. I have a, uh, a 7 Plus, so I don't have the newest and greatest phone, the X or whatever it is, but uh, I do have an iOS device. But I think for the most part, you'll be able to find this on your Androids or a version of these on your Android as well. So I hope it'll help you out once we finish talking about this. Um, so, like I said, do you have a room placement problem or acoustic issues and are you listening loud enough okay the next thing you're going to want to look at is this all right if i think i'm listening to my music loud enough i know i don't have an acoustic problem to the to the best that i can afford right because everybody has some type of acoustic issue regardless of what type of studio you're in um just because sound is sound and it's problematic all right so the, the next thing is how do I calibrate my speakers? Well, we talked about making sure that we have an isosceles triangle, right? Everything is even. I have the same distance from where I sit in my room um, on my board or my computer to the right speaker to the left speaker. And from the left and the right speaker is the same distance to those two that I'm sitting listening from. So every line should be the same distance. All right, now if you have that going on, you got the sweet spot happening. If you have a sub, before you do this, you need to go ahead and cut off your sub. You need to cut off your right speaker. And then what you're gonna do is get a decibel reader. And I'm gonna give you a one that I used in our studio um, and that I use to reference our monitors every month. We do a double check on it. Um, just because things vibrate, things move slightly, and we try to keep our sound as accurate as possible. Um, and because we do do you know maintenance and cleaning on things, sometimes they get bumped or moved a little bit. So we wanna make sure we keep it accurate. Um, but you're gonna to wanna to get a SBL DBL reader, all right? You're gonna use a C weight reading, and then what you're gonna do is you're gonna actually monitor from your listening spot the left sub listening to pink noise. 
or excuse me, your left speaker listening to pink noise. You're going to make sure that's at 85 decibels. Then you're going to turn off the left one, do the same with your right. Then you're going to turn off your left and your right, and then you're going to do the sub at 79. And in short, that's how you do it. Now, if you've got EQs and all that kind of stuff, fancy speakers like we do or whatnot, I think, I mean, pretty much every speaker comes with some kind of EQ setting. Turn all that stuff off. Put your speakers on flat. You want your speakers giving you a flat, natural response, nothing EQ'd, all right, because you're, you're adding color to your sound. You want to be able to trust the sound that your speakers are giving you, not adjusting those sounds, okay? So you want the raw, pure sound from your speakers coming to you and then you tweak to adjust from what you're hearing all right on your system whether it's a hard analog or digital so i'm gonna have to do another part give me a moment and i'll come back and give you some tips and tricks on what we used all right guys i'm here i'm back we're on our third um video and or podcast if you will so let me go ahead i'm on my iphone currently recording this i don't use any special software or anything like that other than this anchor app so let me go ahead tell you what i use currently to get the best uh sound that i can now i use what's called decibel x pro okay d-e-c-i-b-e-l-x Pro, all right. Now you're gonna need to get a pro version, guys. Unless you find a free version, if you find a re- free version, shoot me a message and I'll update the podcast and I'll put it in the notes for the podcast so that other people um, can save the money. Uh, it costs about four or five bucks, uh, depending on where you go to get this thing. So it's not overly expensive, but essentially it's gonna turn your iPhone, okay, into a SPL reader. Now. Keep in mind, it's not going to be 100% accurate, but if you can't afford to go out and purchase uh, an SPL reader or rent one, then this is the next best way to go, okay? Now, I will tell you, it is fairly close, providing you take care of your phone, all right? Um, so I, I did do pretty pretty good. Now, I double-checked it with our room management, um, our room correction software that we use, but uh, and we had very minimal. Our EQ curve was really, really tight, so I was really impressed. So you use that. That'll get you where you need to be for your sound reference as far as your SBL go, okay? Um, I would encourage you, if you can, so that you don't hold it and shake or move to add extra sound, if you have like a camera holder or a GoPro, you know how you have those clips that you can stick your phone in or something that'll mount your phone, even if you got a clip on your phone where you can mount it to your chair or, you know, stack some books up in your chair to your approximately ear height and then sit it on top of the books. Um, but make sure the speaker is off of the books and in front, not on top of the books because you're going to get uh, echo effect happening when the sound waves hit the book and bounce into it, especially if it's a hardback. Okay. Um, but that's kind of a way to do it. It's just mounting on a clip on. I did that with a tripod tripod that we use for our pro- podcasting and things of that nature. So that'll hold it still for you. It'll make sure you don't have any vibrations or shakes. It's going to make sure that it stays in the same place. So all you have to do is set up the phone, hit the meter, flip a switch or reach up, touch the switches on the speakers and whatever. And then next thing you know, 
you're playing your left monitor, your right monitor, and your sub. All right. Remember, your sub is at 79 dB, and both of your main monitors should be at 85. If you have a secondary channel, then what you're going to want to do is switch and repeat the same steps, negative a subwoofer if you don't have a sub on the secondary channel. If you have a third or a tertiary channel, do the same thing, four, five, six, seven, whatever, okay? Um, it's going to be the same, but all your speakers need to reference that, okay? The reason being is if you keep the same speaker pressure level coming from each speaker reaching the center point at the same exact time, you're not going to have false coloration. You're not going to have um, uh, issues outside of acoustic issues um, from the sound reaching you first, okay? Now, by doing that, it's going to assure that your mixes are going to sound almost the exact same from each particular monitoring system outside of what the speakers are going to be letting you hear, right? Because a high-end speaker is not going to sound like a low-end speaker, and a mid-end speaker or mid-range speaker isn't going to sound like either of the two before, right? So that's the advantage that you have. Now, that brings me to my last and final part is do you need multiple speaker setups? I I don't think you have to have them, but it is definitely a positive to have them. Now, if you can't afford getting multiple monitors, I encourage you to go get one of those little little cube boxes. That's a mono speaker, so at least you can hear your stuff on a cheap mono speaker. And then grab uh you know your car, make that a secondary listening point, and then use your main speakers as your main listening point. So guys, that's all I have for you today. I really hope that helped. I hope you're going to be able to calibrate your system, check your room, do some fine-tuning to your room, get the best sound out of your room and out of your equipment, because at the end of the day, Saving you money in your equipment is awesome, especially for us because, I mean, our equipment is really expensive, right? I mean, our, our monitors don't go below 500 to 1,000. So for you guys, I can only imagine good or bad, high end or low end. Thanks so much for attending. See you later.